Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Prosper. Uh, the year before, uh, my word was pure, uh, which was about, um, uh, talks about in the Gospels that the pure in heart, shall, they shall see God. And so that was what God was developing in my life. I can give you all of them if you really want, but I won't bore you with that. But I want to encourage you, if you've never done this before, uh, it's a great way just to focus your heart and focus your life on, on God for the start of the year. If you have done it before, I encourage you. There, there is power as you keep doing it. Um, if you're an iPhone user like me and put it in your notes and you can search back and find them all uh, really quickly from previous years or if you, you know, have a more spiritual sort of paper journal because obviously that's a lot more spiritual, uh, then using, using technology you can flick back and find them and, and, and whatever. But there's something about, uh, as I said, setting our hearts for God not just to go, hey, God, this is my plan. Do you reckon you can bless it this year? That would be amazing. No, instead, we bring our lives before God and we say, God, well, what have you got for us? And so uh, a great resource if you use the uh, free version Bible app. There's reading plans in there. One of them is called, um, I think it's just called One Word. And so you can search that. I think it's about five, seven days takes you through some scripture and helps you on that journey of finding a... Um, Word for the year. And so um, we, we use the same, bring the same practice and principle uh, into the church corporately. And so I've been seeking God for a word uh, for the year collectively, uh, for us as a church, which I'll uh, share on the last Sunday of January. Um, but for the rest of January, today and next week, we'll be looking at a section from Romans chapter 12. And then, uh, as I said earlier, uh, that January 22nd after youth camp, uh, Pastor Isaac will be preaching, we'll be celebrating youth camp. Uh, it'll be a Sunday not to miss as we um, celebrate with young people uh, exactly how God has moved in their lives and what, and what He's doing, which is awesome. But uh, let's get into Romans chapter 12. Uh, this is verse 9 to 21. Uh, you can find it on your Bible or on the screen behind me. It says this, Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate, sorry, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honourable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's just do all of that for the rest of the year, and we're done. 
Easy, hey? Amazing, amazing. What, 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 what a church, what a community, what a difference. <laughs> we, we, we would make this, there's a lot packed in there, right? But, but a, little back, a little bit of background on Romans for you. It's, it's written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a church in Rome. And so when Paul wrote this book, he had never, he hadn't been to Rome yet. He really wanted to be there, but uh, he, had, he had heard of Rome. And obviously Rome was a key city, capital of the empire, and um, a church had started to grow, uh, uh, to develop, sorry, and grow rapidly in Rome. And this church contained both uh, Jewish believers, so with that background of, of following God who had accepted Christ as the Saviour, and, and Gentile or non-Jewish believers who hadn't had that background but had heard the message of Christ and responded. And so uh, the book of Romans is, um, this is from a commentary, I don't normally sound this smart, but is Paul's fullest, grandest and most comprehensive statement of the gospel. Well, what, what he believes about Christ, what he believes about the good news, if you wanted to package it in one place, um, the 16 chapters of Romans is an, is an amazing place there. And so just to give you a, a little bit of a super quick outline, chapters 1 to 8, of Romans is basically all about what uh, what we believe about Christ. That there's no condemnation in Christ. That when we're baptized, we're buried, uh, and then we rise again out of the waters of baptism, just like Christ uh, rose from the dead. So, so chapters one to eight is like our believing. Then chapters nine through to eleven talks about, well, how does this work with Jewish people that followed God for you know, many years and then Gentile people coming in? How does that all work together? And then from chapter 12, if you read it, there's this really distinct change where Paul just gets really practical straight away. And so we just read right near the start of the section where, like I said, Paul gets really practical. And um, and I don't know about you, but as we read this, I really need this because serving and following God is one thing because God is constant. He's always forgiving. He's just. He's merciful. But if it was just following God, then that would be, that would be great. But He also calls us to live and to serve people. You know what I mean? Like people. Like people who aren't always forgiving, people who aren't always kind, people who aren't always merciful, they aren't constant, they're yo-yoing all over the place and that's just the family that you live with. You know, like there's, there's people, right? And so um, it can be difficult. It's like, have you ever met people? Yeah, yeah, it can be. You can agree, it's okay. It, 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 can, be, it can be difficult. But before we get arrogant, and think, yeah, that's right, people are like that. If I was just by myself, things would be so much better, like, so good. It's time to remember that we too are people. Do you, do you know what I mean? So not, not only are sometimes people great you, but guess what? You actually great people sometimes as well. You're like, what? No way. I could, I, I, I could never be that. You know, we are all failed and flawed. We judge too quickly. We assume the wrong thing. We often assess everyone else by their actions, but us by our intentions. We're often hypocrites. Um, author and pastor Scott Sauls, um, a great book I read near the end of last year called Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. Uh, he says this, he says, if God worked only with people who are not hypocrites, he would have no one to work with besides Jesus. There's some truth. The question is not whether Christians are hypocrites, because we almost certainly are. Rather, the question is whether we are self-aware and humble in our hypocrisy and rightly saddened by it. God opposes 
the hypocritical proud, but gives grace to the hypocritical humble. So we remember as we approach this and as we approach every day and all these areas that, 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 that we're never going to measure up, that we're always going to be flawed and failed. But it's in that that we follow Jesus and we allow His grace and His love to come and fill us and to take us on that journey to become more and more like Him each and every day. Uh, this section of Romans 12 that we just read in my English Standard Version Bible, it's got a little subheading above it. And the subheading is marks of the true Christian. That's this little heading that's added just before that. You see, there's a false Christianity which appears to be the same. However, when you take a look at it, it's actually an imposter. You know, we were on um, holidays this week at um, Scarborough Beach. Yeah, I know, long, massive trip to get up there. So, 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 so tough. Um, but we do like the city and beach feel together and being able to walk everywhere and not get in the car for three days. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. But we walked into this little gift store uh, in the mall near Coles, and there were these um, Nike hats there are pretty cheap, good price, and from a distance, they look good, but as you, as you got closer, you're like, hang on, I know why this is $18, because it's looking pretty close to Nike, but it's just not quite Nike. Do, do you know what I mean? They were, they, they were an imposter hat, bit of a bit of a fake one, you know, maybe, I don't know, direct from, direct from Bali or, or something like that, but they weren't true Nike. Um, when, I was a, when I was a teenager, uh, I was into music and there was this really expensive uh, computer recording software called Cubase and cost about $900 on CD-ROM. I'm showing my age there. If you're a teenager, you don't know what a CD-ROM is, just ask your old parent. They will let you know what that is. But um, my pastor went on this uh, conference to uh, Malaysia and he, he, he came back with these um, CD-ROMs in like... Um, uh, with photocopied, you know, you know, photocopied covers inside the thing. Didn't really know about like what piracy was or whatever. Or so he said. And he's like, "Oh, look, I, I got these for they're like ten dollars each." Like, yeah, they're pirated and probably don't work properly. And you know, all those, all those sorts of things. Anyway, the whole idea was it was it was this fake thing. See, there's a false Christianity. It has the form of godliness, but it denies the power. Well, what's the power? Well, yes, it's, it's miracles. It's people being supernaturally healed. It's signs and wonders. It's breakthroughs. But also, it's the power to see a life transformed from the inside out. That's, that, that's the power that's found in following Jesus. Not, not, not a perfect life. Definitely still some hypocrisy in it. But as Scott Saul said, it's self-aware hypocrisy that allows God's grace to come and to fill us and to bring change. Now, does Mandarin need the spirit power of God moving to heal people, to set them free instantly, to break addictions? Absolutely, yes. But also, it needs to see uh, people whose lives have been radically changed, not just in an instant because of a physical miracle, although we believe in those and pray for those constantly, but changed to become more and more like Jesus each and every day. Incremental change, that as we read His Word, as we get before Him in worship, and prayer, we allow God's Word and His presence and the Holy Spirit to come and surround us and to, to make us and to mould us more into God's image each and every day. You, you see, can I, can I tell you that our key evangelism strategy as a church is not 
Instagram ads, letterbox dropping and big events, although we'll do some of those things. Um, the key strategy is you, is me. Released into the wild, into our sporting clubs, into our workplaces, into our families, into our schools, into our university, a people that have been transformed from the inside out, that we know we're not perfect, we know there's some hypocrisy still in there, but we're on a journey of being more and more like Christ each and every day because we understand that God has that for our lives. We're carrying something different on the inside. But it doesn't just stay on the inside. It's seen through our actions, through our words, how we treat people, how we relate with other people, a love that is visible to others through our lives. And that's what this Romans passage is all about. It's all about how do we live with people? How do we show the marks that we have been changed by Christ when we're with others? And notice that the passage that we read, it's not just about our interaction with those currently outside the church, but also each other. How do we live and work and serve God and worship and pray together? And how do we do that together? You see, we need to realise that unity with the within the church is our responsibility as all of us together. It's not just something that one person does or the pastor or the leader does. That unity together is a responsibility that we all hold. And we need to recognise that Jesus-centred unity and harmony in the church is more important than our own personal comfort and preferences. Do you know there's, there's, do you know there's some things in the church that I would actually naturally prefer a different way? And like I'm supposedly in charge. Like, like, do, 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 like do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like if it was just my personal preference, I'd be like, well, to start with it, it'd be louder. But that's just my personal preference, right? Maybe some more drum solos in there at the start. You know, what, 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 whatever it was. But, but honestly, there'd be some things, but it's not actually about my preference. It's about, okay, God, what have you called us to? And as a church, God has called us to live together in community, to encourage one another, to lift up each other's hands, to pray for one another, to believe God for miracles and signs and wonders. To, he has called us to make a difference in this city and beyond. And how we treat each other and others will make a massive difference in people's lives. The passage began with, remember, it said, let your love be genuine. How did you do that? It said, abhor what is evil. That, that word abhor, um, I don't know if uh, you've used that very often. I don't usually use that word very often. If you ask Tim Hartland, he always Googles word usage and then you see like this little graph about over the last 300 years. Yep, no one else cares. Show me, Tim, afterwards. I'll care. It'll be, it, 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 it'll be great. Um, but, but it means to think of something with, with hatred or disgust, that, that we should abhor what is evil. We should think of those things that aren't of God should be like, no, no, we just want them so far from us. It says, but hold fast, or in some versions it will say, cling to what is good. The next verse continues, it said, outdo one another in showing honour. Outdo one another in showing honour. Uh, I heard uh, the preacher John Bevere say the other day that it's the only competitive command in Scripture. Did all the com competitive people just sort of, what, what, competition, where? Where? What? What does, what does it say? I can win something? Yeah, yeah. It says, compete. It says, outdo one another in showing honour. Do, do you try and outdo others in showing honour or do we try and outdo others in other areas? 
Maybe, you know, telling those, um, telling those fish stories that are just, you know, a little bit exaggerated, that, that, that make us sound just a, a little bit better than we actually are. Or maybe someone shares some exciting news about something in their life and somehow you quickly turn the conversation to yourself and how that relates to you instead of asking more questions of them and finding out what's going on for, for them. Do we outdo, try and outdo one another in showing honour? That's what Paul encourages us to do. It means preferring the other person, letting them get the glory, showing honour. Uh, so it literally means um, adding weight. So the, the word uh, honour, it comes from like scales. And so, so it means that we, when we honour something, we, we, we give it weight. And so when we honour someone else, when we honour other people, we, we give, not weight as in kilos, you know, added to them, but we, we, give, we, give, we give them weight, like their opinion matters. Their life makes different. We, we prefer them instead of us. That's what giving honour to others means. And so uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you two questions uh, inspired uh, by this passage that will hopefully help us to, to live out this true Christian faith with others so that we display that genuine love. So, so number one, if you're taking notes, here's the first question. Uh, do, do people serve your goal or do you make serving people your goal? You see, in this passage, Paul's instructing the Roman church to place a high priority on others. As I said, to, to outdo one another in what? In showing honour, to love others with brotherly affection. You see, often we can, we can just see others as a means to an end. And, and that, that sounds like, you know, really rude and self-absorbed and, you know, you, you think that would be obvious. But sometimes that's actually just, there's just subtle differences in our lives where we, instead of serving people, we use people to serve ourselves. You see, sometimes we can use other people to prop up our own insecurities and gaps in our self-worth. You know, maybe we compare and look with judgment and think, oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that. We may never say it, but there's just something in our hearts that, that just that this little failure by someone makes, oh, okay, I'm okay then. That makes me just feel, makes me just feel a, a, a little bit better. Maybe we go out of the way to uh, help someone in need and then that fact happens to drop into the next five conversations that we have in other that we have with other people so they can congratulate us and we just get a little bit more of, you know, a, a greater sense of self-worth because someone said the great act that I did was, was so good. Well, what is that doing? It, it's subtly using people to serve our own goals. The passage also says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Uh, this means that we make others the focus, that I will be present for whatever they are going through, that I'll be attentive to their needs. It doesn't mean that I'm pulled into whatever drama is happening in someone else's life, but it does mean that we're to show genuine care and concern for their situation. You know, often our human sinful tendency can be that when someone else is rejoicing about something great in their life, we can be comparing and maybe for a little bit honest, a little bit envious that our situation is not like that. And then conversely, when they're, when they're weeping, we can be thankful that it's not us in that situation. Yet to rejoice with those who rejoice 
and weep with those who weep is to put our own feelings and emotions aside and be whatever the other person needs us to be, to take the focus off ourselves and place it wholly on someone else. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, uh, a good friend of mine uh, tragically lost his uh, first wife to, to cancer. So they'd only been married maybe, uh, I think it was just under two years. So at that time, uh, we were friends, but we weren't like super close friends. And it was the morning after she had passed and I was at the house with the family members having breakfast. And you know when you've been in those situations and you feel like out of place. So I was there and I remember I was like sort of clumsily, you know, trying to be helpful, but then also being in the way, but then also like, you know, like the awkward hover, like, I don't know what to do. Do I sit down? Do I help with the eggs? Do I, you you know what I mean? Like it was just, it it, it was just that. And so that was all happening. And he turned to me uh, really straight. We'll say it's the grief because he's not normally this straight, right? But he just turned to me and looked me in the eye and said, Marty, stop being awkward. And it's right, you can laugh, it's okay. And um, I remember just those words, something, it just clicked something in me. And I'm like, hang on, okay. Yes, Rowan, I'll stop being awkward. All right, no, no, no problems at all. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I can do that. You see, what was going on, if I'm really honest, is that I was focused on myself and was worried about what I would look like. Do you know what I mean? I was like, well, I'm here and my friend's wife has passed away the day before and, you know, I want to be seen as a good friend and I want to be seen as a good pastor because I was part of my church and I want to do the right thing. And it was like, hold up, can you hear how many eyes are in those sentences? Like, oh, I want to be this, hang on, maybe, just maybe, this moment is not about you, it's about someone else. But you see, so often we get caught up in our own emotions, feelings, insecurities. But God has called us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. It may not always be a situation like that for you, but, 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 but this year, or maybe let's take it back a little, like this week, how can you be serving people and make serving people your goal instead of having others serve you and having them serve your goal. So number one, do people serve your goal or do you make serving people your goal? Number two, does your attitude to serving God energise you or does it drain you? Romans 12, 11, we read before, says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. That's the uh, ESV version in the New Living Translation. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Psalms encourages us in Psalm 100 to serve the Lord with gladness. To serve the Lord with gladness. You see, it's not just what we do for God that matters. It's how we do it. Why? Because so often the spirit that we carry, it creates more influence than the task we actually do. Our, our mission statement as a church, we have a vision to multiply 
healthy local churches to, to impact cities. And, and, our, and our, so that's our vision. That's our clear picture of a preferred future. But how we do it, which we call our mission statement, is that we create environments that inspire intimacy with Christ, relationship with others, and influence in our world. And the spirit and the attitude that we carry as we do things, that creates the environment around our lives. It creates the environment around the church. It creates the environment around our community. We, we, we had an amazing uh, Carols by the Beach event, um, seems like forever ago. Uh, I think it was December 10 or 11. And um, we, we, it wasn't the fact that we were doing an outdoor Christmas event with carols that made the difference. I believe it's the spirit that we carried as we did it. As you were turning those sausages, as you were getting that slow-cooked pork in the roll, which was so good with the applesauce and the gravy, just saying, you know, as, as you were doing as you were doing that, as we, as we sang carols, just like anyone could sing, well, not anyone, but just like singers could sing carols, but we sang it with, with, with a spirit that God had put inside us that, that would make a difference in people's lives. As we set up, as we, as we packed down, it wasn't the fact that we did those tasks. It was, it was that we did it with carrying a spirit that wanted to serve our community, that wanted to make a difference, that wanted to bring honour to God. See, the energy that we bring to serving God, it creates the environment and the atmosphere around us. And, and maybe for you, the start of the new year, it's the start of a fresh season of serving God in whatever capacity He has for you with a renewed attitude of joy, zeal, and passion. Joy, zeal, and passion. You see, the great thing is that in Christ, we don't have to try and, and conjure that from our own resources. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out a fresh spirit of joy and thankfulness into our hearts. Our responsibility is simply to bring ourselves before God, humbly, saying, God, we need you. We need you to fill us. I need to let go of whatever I'm carrying, bitterness, hurt, unmet expectation. I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to allow you to come in and to fill my life. I need to let go of the, maybe the self-righteous attitude that says, well, you know what, if I don't do this task, then, then who will do it? Then I let go of that and allow God again to fill you and to fill you with His grace and His mercy. Maybe Justin can come and join me on the guitar as, as we wrap up. You see, is serving God and people hard work? Absolutely. Does it take effort and energy? Absolutely. But it also should be energising and fulfilling as you live out your God purpose to bring glory to God and to bring good to those around you. You know, as, as we serve God, and each other and our city together, incredible things happen. And so I, 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 want, I want to encourage you this morning. Let's decide together. Let's decide together to be a people known for our genuine love for people and for God. That we would always look to serve others and not ourselves. And that we would see the joy the fulfilment and the power that comes in investing our lives and our time and our energy and our money and our, and our talents and our abilities in the things of God and in people's lives. And so this morning, let's remember that we're only here because other people invested in us. Other people served the Lord with gladness, made a way for each of us to respond to God's love. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I actually feel 
a long way from God's love. I, I want to encourage you that you may feel like that, but God doesn't feel like that about you. That He has His love and His grace and His forgiveness ready for you today. Our responsibility is to humbly come, realise our sin, realise our hi- hypocrisy. But like the quote I read before, come with that self-aware hypocrisy that says, Jesus, I need you. I, I need you this morning. I, I've been doing it my own way. I've been trying to make it on my own, but I know that I, I, I need something greater to come in. I need to let go of trying to strive in my own effort. I need to come in and accept your love and your forgiveness. So across this place, I'd love you to bow your heads. Uh, we're going to pray.